All right, I'm getting all my stuff out here. Listen, I have a confession today. So, like, every day this week, the more I, like, dug into Acts chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, you can meet me there. The, the more I dug into it, the more that was there. And it was just like, so, so here's my promise. Whatever we can't, whatever we can't wade through today, uh, we'll, we'll make it back to next week. But uh, such a powerful passage of Scripture. There, there's so much there. So last week we, we came out of this talk about generosity and just uh, how serious God is about His name, how serious God is about His glory. And so as I was, as I was looking at that, there, there's a phrase that comes in chapter 5 in a moment that, that I think is, is a powerful phrase. But as we get started, I want to kind of both challenge and encourage you this morning. So there, I think there's two lanes for us to run in. If you're not a Christian today, if, if you've not given your life to Jesus, uh, I want to hopefully show you and encourage you what this thing is the church is all about. What, what it is that Jesus calls us to. What, what it is that is offered to you if you don't know Jesus. Uh, this, this life that He Gives And then if you are a follower of Jesus, whether you've been one for a year or 20 years, I, I want to just encourage you and challenge you about what it is this thing that we're a part of. And, and really in an, an amazing story. But one of the things that brings us all into the same place is, is just who we are as humans. Henry David Thoreau, you might know that name, once wrote this. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Just leave that quote up there for a second. What do you think about that? The mass of men, the majority of people, lead lives of quiet desperation. Just last week, I don't know if you uh, follow or not a lot of the the Christian world and and... But as a pastor, we kind of do. It's just kind of our thing. We, we pay attention to other pastors and, and all that. I'm sure you do in your line of business. But there was a, a 31-year-old pastor last week who took his life. Had two little kids. And, you know, you just, you look at something like that. And you, you just, you would have not known. You would have just not known. Right? And. It's a trend that, that seems to be happening. And you think, you know, how could, how could somebody walking with Jesus and what he got paid to do, this is why we, as human beings, can tend to put up front one thing and live a different thing or, or be struggling inside. And I just want to encourage you to think about your own life today. When, when, when you walked into this place, uh, no doubt there, there's a, a full range of emotions that you and I can be going through. And we, we, we need to think about that and we need to ask ourselves this question, would this be true of me? You know, we, we talk about city groups. We, we pump city groups a lot and this is one of many reasons. We do believe it's where life change happens, but we also believe it's where you can be cared for. Because as we, we move into this text in Acts chapter 5, I was reminded of what Jesus said about his own life. When he said that, I came. I mean, the whole reason he came, these are his own words, that you would have life, 
He didn't just stop there. He said that you would have life and have it to the full. Some of your translations are going to call it an abundant life. Ephesians chapter 3 is going to say that God can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could even ask or, get this, even imagine. Is, is that your experience today? Some of you are shaking your head yes, and the ones that are, I believe you. For a lot of us, though, it's not. And we need to be honest about that. Are you experiencing the full life that Jesus intends for you? And if not, why? If not, why? As I think about my own life, there's been seasons where that's just not been true. Seasons of difficulty or seasons of trial. Or honestly, like, can can we just be real? Even seasons of plenty, like seasons where I feel like I'm making it on my own. And not paying attention to the things that Jesus has done. Right? Not, Not making a difference in other people's lives. Not following after His heart. You know, whether it be adopting internationally a special needs kid. That was a season in Camden and I's life, my wife and I. Where we were like, God, what are you doing? I mean, I know this this looks super spiritual. (laughs) But you bring home a child who can't talk to you, has major, major medical needs, and you feel like you're babysitting someone else's child, and you have to learn to love them as somebody made in God's image, who God, before the foundations of the world, chose for our family. I look back four years later and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I don't even like, I don't even know what life looked like before we were all together. In fact, this week we call it Coon Family Week and we just take a week and we celebrate the fact that this, this was the week four years ago that we all became a family. And it's awesome. And yes, we will go to Disney. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but in those early moments, I, I couldn't see God Trying to follow, trying to sacrifice, trying to give, trying to be generous, trying to play the pastor card. <laughs> While in the background going, I don't see you. We've all been there. And, and, and here's what I want to challenge you with in that moment. When you think about those moments of your life, and maybe you're in one now. Here's what I want to challenge with you. You cannot give to others what you do not possess yourself. Does that make sense? So we've been talking a lot and we've been talking for, you know, six or seven weeks now about what the Holy Spirit empowers you to do and go out and give to others. And I'm going to challenge you again today to make a difference in other people's life and that that's actually the life God intends for you. But but I want you to know that it's in this place where you have to know Jesus. Where the gospel needs to be yours. Not because I get up here and yell it at you every week or whatever you do in the rest of your week. You cannot give to others what you do not possess for yourself. Generosity doesn't just happen because we want to. 
any more than you don't have a good marriage because you want to. Right? It, it has to be in you. And I think together, as a body, as the body of Christ, we ask ourselves that corporately, together. What kind of church do we want to be? What kind of church will we be? An Acts New Testament kind or some other cheap imitation? We get to make that decision in, in how we live and lead our lives in, in our city, in our day, in our time. And this has been a, ma- a big challenge to me this week, just thinking about what this first church went through because it waffles between whoa and uh, and then whoa and then uh, less of that, more of that, right? And, and yet the, they, they were so joyful. I was thinking about a book that I read when Carl and I, Pastor Carl and I were first hanging out. And it really challenged me. It was uh, another pastor writing about when, when he had planted his church and they were wrestling with this question. And, and here we are wrestling with the same question this morning. But, but here's what he had to say about the church. I just want to read this to you. It says, from the very beginning, Jesus included other people in the process of bringing life to others, right? I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus always included people in that. His followers were quickly sent out to go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Jesus always wanted his friends to join him in the work of kingdom building. The idea that people should come and sit never crossed his mind. And here's what this passage I don't want people to come and watch me do ministry. I want them to do it with me. So we came together as friends to live authentically with one another and to call each other to join in experiencing the grace of Christ that allows us all to live in freedom and devotion to Him. And he says that was the beginning of our church. And, he, and then he references a video they showed at one of their very first gatherings. And uh, we found one, and I, I didn't show it. It was, it was pretty cheesy. <laughs> Graphically, right? Like, welcome back to the 21st century. All right, so I'm just going to read it to you instead of show it to you. But here's what he says. It says, the video opens with helicopter footage of a cruise ship. The kind where you take your family to get away from it all. The sun hangs high in the sky, warming the seas of the skin, warming the seas and the skin of thousands of passengers enjoying their vacations. Let me just put a plug here for cruise life. I'm all about it. All right, especially if you have kids, you drop them off, you go hang out. It's great. I love it. I'm a big cruise fan. The bar is stocked with drinks, and from the looks of the way people are sunbathing and dancing, passengers seem to be having a great time. Then the words on the screen make the observation that all too often people evaluate a church in much the same way they choose their cruise ship. Whether consciously or otherwise, they ask certain questions that reveal their expectations. Do I like the music in the ballroom? Do I like the captain and his staff? Yes. <laughs> Do I get good service? Is it pleasant and comfortable? Today, yes. Sometimes, no. Right? Air conditioning. 
Do I like the experience enough to sail with them again? These observations may be all too familiar to you, especially in the United States. There seems to be a church on most every corner, little churches, big churches, traditional churches, modern churches. And he goes on to describe all the churches. Even more surprising and tragic is that so many people float through their church experience being largely satisfied with the amenities and personalities instead of being alive and participating in the adventure of Christ's rescue mission and the defeat of evil. It's powerful. In, and I'm going to skip forward. In most cases, the problem is that too much of modern Christendom, Christianity today, people's relationship with a specific church body is wrapped up more in our own preferences than in God's kingdom principles. He goes on, and I don't want to bore you with a lot of reading, but he goes, he goes on to talk about the difference of a cruise ship and a battleship and, you know, which kind of church we would choose to be. And as you think about your life and you think about our life, that's the question, right? Jesus said, I've come that you will have life and have it to the full. But what does that mean? Is that cruise... Genie, God, do what, I, do what I want? Or is it mission? Will we settle for God's less than God's full intention for our lives? Or will we press through the vulnerable, fake, cheap imitation of the cruise life and board the battleship that God intends for us to be a part of? When you go to Acts chapter 5, uh, you, you see this tension a lot. And if you look at Acts chapter 5, verse 12, it'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But, but here's where it starts, and it, it feels cruise-like, right? Like, you're like, if I'm going to be a part of a church, like, I want more of this, right? Verse 12, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade, which was a beautiful place to gather. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Listen to this. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out in the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, listen to this, this is how cool is this? Cots and mats that when he came by, when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. I mean, that's power. My shadow's not helping anybody. I got a big shadow too. I mean, we could cover a lot. I mean, this was this was awesome. Verse 16, in addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem. Word begins to spread. People are coming from far away to be a part of this. And those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and listen to this, they were all healed. All of them. It's an incredible move of God. Seems cruise-like. More of that, please. Apostles do all the work. <laughs> people are getting healed. Multitudes of people are coming from this town, from towns far away. It's awesome. But then look at verse 17. So God's moving in this, in this church and in this body and He's doing incredible things. 
But look at verse 17. So all this is happening, but then the high priest rose up. How do you know when the religious people get involved, things go south? The high priest rose up. He and all who were with them and belonged to the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them all in public jail. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this is really fun. They see God move in powerful ways and they get thrown in jail for it. Like, th- this is where the rubber meets the road, right? Th- this is where when God is moving, so is Satan. Right? Like, like if, if there's no opposition in what we're doing, we may not be doing the same thing that God calls us to do. True? And so, so here they go. So they arrest them, put them in jail. But check this out. We're back on, the, back on the cruise liner. Verse 19, But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and tell what? People all about this life. That's the question. What is this life? Because we see God move, and then we see opposition move. Then we see God move, and then we see opposition move move so they hear this angel in verse 21 hearing this they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach what an amazing thing so they're waffling between these incredible things and this incredible persecution but how many of us in this room that have followed Jesus for for any amount of time have tasted and seen the goodness of God that verse 19 describes, right? But here, here's, here's where I think the challenge is for those of us that, that call ourselves Christians. Here, here's where I think the challenge is, and, and, maybe, um, and maybe is where some of the rub is from, from those who don't call Jesus Lord. Is... We tend to think the cruise life will satisfy us. We, we tend to think the more that we get served, the more satisfied we'll be. But what ends up happening is you walk through life looking to be served and you end up where Henry David Thoreau landed the mass of humanity, leading a life of quiet desperation. Because you never experience the full life that God intends for you. I mean, which one of us haven't done it? I mean, I have personally, professional Christian up here, right? This is what I do. I mean, I've I've studied the Bible, served people, like it's what I do. And yet I've still personally sought to find life in money, cars, houses, kids, wife, bigger church attendance. And more stuff that I can't even remember. Like we've all done it, haven't we? We've all chased the things that we think are going to satisfy us and they don't. And, and that's not even getting into like the big sins that we usually talk about. Right? All of it not leading to satisfaction but to depression and emptiness. So often. Maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering the same things that I have. Does God have more for my life? Does God have more for my life? 
what is this life that the angel talks about? When, he, when that angel says to Peter and John in prison as he's opening the door. I mean, like again, put yourself there. An angel shows up, opens the door. And they're going out and the angel says, go preach about this life. What is that life that they're getting thrown in prison and in just a couple verses they're going to get beat up. And the Bible's going to say that after they get beat up that they have great joy. What is that life? Because it doesn't seem to be the cruise life. What is this full and abundant life that Jesus promised with his words and paid for with his life? What is that life? Because that's, that's the life we want, right? That's, that's where we want to be. What does it mean that Jesus abandoned his life so that I could have a full life? Before we jump back into Acts chapter 5, I just want to read to you from John chapter 15. Two verses. They're not even going to be on the screen. I just want you to let these soak into your, into your heart. Listen to John 15, 8. Here's, here's what Jesus said. My Father is glorified by this. Okay, you, you listening? That you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. God actually wants, likes, intends, and is glorified by you bearing much fruit. Not just a little bit, not just a little life change, but a lot of it, like much fruit. And by that you'll prove to be his disciples. What, what, is, what is all that about? Verse 11, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you. How many of you think God's joy is probably better than your joy? Show of hands. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, I'll be available afterward. We'll lay hands on you. All right? Put my shadow on you. <laughs> so that's not going to be helpful, sorry. <laughs> but listen to this. That my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Like, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. When you go on to verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain. It's not going to go away. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. What what does he say? Love one another. It's powerful. What is this life? It's to love one another. It's to make a difference in somebody else's life that will in turn make a difference in my life. You see, because as, they, as John and Peter are rotting in prison because the religious people got scared of the power of God flowing through them, they're in jail and an angel shows up and frees them. And like, if that was me, I would have been like, oh, yes, more of that. But what does the angel tell him to do? Go back to the place where you just got arrested and talk about this life. What is this life? That there's more to life than me getting mine. And that in that laying down of your life, you'll actually find it. Those are the words of Jesus. The question is, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to trust Jesus 
with our life. One of the first blanks in your notes is this, and I would encourage you to write it down. The gospel is not a fad. The gospel is not a fad. The gospel has only grown in momentum since it first showed up on the scene in Acts chapter 1. It's not a fad. It's not going anywhere. Maybe you've been like, well, I was in church and then I left church and maybe you're back in church this morning for the first time in a long time and I have good news for you. And this is good news. I'm going to explain it to you in a minute. But we haven't slowed down. And the gospel hasn't slowed down. And, and listen, this is why this is good news because the kingdom doesn't miss out from a lack of you or me. And that's actually good news because Jesus said, cast your burdens on me. Because I care for you. He says, uh, do mission with me and it'll be easy. Yoke with me and the burdens get less. Well, how is that true when they're in jail, but they're still really happy about it? Because their joy's coming from somewhere else. The gospel continues to move forward. It will continue to grow in momentum. It's the most unstoppable, immovable force this world has ever reckoned with. For thousands of years. Maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning and thinking, well, aren't we losing? Like, look around, Pastor. Like, aren't, aren't we losing? The God-glorifying answer to that question is resounding, no, praise God. There's more Christians in the world now than there ever has been. But isn't it amazing that God is still concerned in all of that with you? That's awesome. That's awesome that, that he still has you in mind, right? Scripture talks about he even knows what, what the birds need, let alone what his kids need. I'm going to plug community again. Get in a city group. Go to one today. Go to one this week. There are people in this church that will love you in spite of you. They've been doing it for me for three and a half years. <laughs> Some more than others. My wife would amen that, but she's not here. I have a host, kiss, sick, sick kid at home. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, we, we need each other. Like, like, you actually need the people in this body. Because you don't know what's going to happen Tuesday. You don't know what's going to happen Thursday. But you, you can know that, that we will be there for you. And as, as even in our own culture is increasingly a hostile environment for churches and taking away freedom and, and in all of those things, uh, make no mistake about it. No matter what works against us, I've read the back of the book. And at the end of the day, Jesus wins. So, so there's, there's literally nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. You can do what Peter and John did because it's promised to you in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. So as we move towards the end of Acts 5 and Jesus is here to stay, there's a specific word for us in that. Specific good news for our city that Jesus came to die and forsake his life so that we could find ours. It's funny, you know, Pastor Carl and I were talking about this this week and he said, you know what room is not full on a cruise ship? The gym. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I 
But the dining room's full, right? I mean, you see the you see the imagery, right? Like the charge given to us in verse twenty is go and tell, to be on mission for Jesus. And listen, we want this church to grow. Like we're not hiding that. We want more people to be here. We want more people to be a part of it. But not just so that we'll grow. I mean, we want that to be one life at a time that you know because you've been neighbors with them, that you know because you've gone to work with them, that you know because you've had coffee at 10 p.m. because something happened in their life and they have nobody else to turn to. We, we want you to be a part of what God's doing on the earth. I want to be a part of what God's doing on the earth. And so, yes, we want to grow and we want increasing numbers. We want that. We want what the Bible's talking about, but we want it the way the Bible makes it happen. The power of the Holy Spirit through the people of God, through you, through me, making a difference in the people that we come in contact with every single day, making a difference every day. What, what, what if you thought about it this way, that the actual and ultimate purpose of your life is to make a difference in people's life? What if we just live that way? That when you make a difference, John 15 is true. That God's actually glorified when you bear much fruit. When just lots of people know that you're a Christian. How awesome would that be? Live in such a way that it makes a difference in other people's lives, and that's how you get joy. I love that. Not just joy, complete joy. Right? The joy that God says, I'm going to give you my joy, and it's going to be a complete joy, and you'll never be the same. It's actually found in laying down your life. And I believe some of you here today, you've not discovered that. I, <laughs> I've been a Christian for a long time. And I still wrestle with it. I mean, just yesterday I was grumpy with my wife. Can you believe that? What a terrible pastor. I'm confessing my sins, right? James chapter 5. So heal me and forgive me. Go ahead. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's it's a daily battle, right? That's what the Bible says, that every day you have to crucify your flesh. Why? Because it's lying to you. Every time you want to sin, it's just the devil lying to you. That every day you get up, Jesus says there's more for your life. There's more for your life if you'll lay it down. Love it. Seeing people cross from death to life. Making a difference in people's lives. Is where we'll actually find life. That is where life is at. Because the next thing in your notes, the Holy Spirit-powered gospel is the most powerful force on earth. You don't have to do the work. You don't have to do the work. Because you're given it by God to go out and be the church. You don't have to do the work. He's done the work. He got on that cross and he said, it's finished. So what does that mean? It means I just go out and I just I make a difference in people's life. I love people. I serve people. With complete joy, because even if they hate me and throw me in prison, it doesn't matter. 
look at the rest of the story here. So uh, they, they bring him in. They, they threaten him. They're going to they're gonna throw him back in jail. And then this one guy, Gamaliel, if you have time to read the story later, do it. For the sake of time, I'm not going to. But uh, Gamaliel says, listen, guys, like, you better be careful. There's some other guys who we've arrested. And, like, it didn't turn out well. And then, and then he, he makes some of these statements. And here's what he says in verse 38. It says, in this present case, I tell you, stay away from these men. Right? Like, you can tell, like, man, something weird's going on with these two. Stay away from these men and leave them alone. And listen to this. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. This church, if it is of human origin, it will fail. Your life worked for human things will fail to provide what you think it needs to. But look at verse 39. Don't you love this? But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You and I are literally in church today because this verse is true. There are so many times where the gospel should have been stamped out because the most powerful people on earth wanted it gone. And guess what? We're still here. Listen to this. You won't be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. How many of you know, like, I, we do not want to be found fighting against God. You want to talk about a battle you cannot win? That's that one. So much to say. Why has this strategy worked for thousands of years? Because it doesn't rest on you or me. But the fact that it doesn't rest on you and me is the perfect reason for you and me to get involved in it. Amen? Man, love this. So let me, let me go back to this. Are you looking for a cruise this morning? I kind of was. And then I reviewed my notes this morning. <laughs> Just being real with you. I woke up with a sore throat. I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh my word, i got to blow my nose right now. And I'm like, man, just a little bit of cruise life would be great. Some of you we've prayed with and it's like, you know, you're looking at your life going, yeah, some cruise life would be nice right now. Because I've been in the battleship. And that's real life. That's real life. But I also want this to be a defining moment for the life of our church. And just say this, like, will you enter the battlefield with us? The mission field, your neighbors, your coworkers. We do want to see this place grow, but with people that you know, with people that you're making a difference in. Not some crazy marketing strategy, though those are fine. But because you and I are in our city making a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus came that you could have a life. That you don't have to lead a life of quiet desperation. That we get it. Life is hard. There's times when there's just not good answers. But you can have life that's actually fulfilling and satisfying. And it's found in Jesus found in Jesus. So let me encourage you with a couple things. And then we're just going to pick this up next week, okay? And we're going to finish it. But but you can do this. 
you can actually do this this week. Who is that person in your life right now? Every one of us have one. Two, three, four, five. And where can you meet them? Where can you meet them? I have a neighbor who's a Buddhist and he wants to spend more time with me than I want to with him. I don't have to. I don't have to look. I've got a neighbor across the street. They have a, a three-year-old with leukemia. You think they would like some love of Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, they would. And you've got neighbors, and you've got yeah, like we get it. You've got coworkers. I've got servers right over here at the hall who light up when I walk in the in the door, and it ain't because I'm awesome but it's because I show the love of Jesus to him. And you can do that too. You can do that. And, and, and I think there, there's, there's a couple things that just make that easy, right? Is, is, here's, here's just three things. The first one, see the significance in every day. Not, not as like a weight for you, but just when you get up, think to yourself, like, man, I, I am with Jesus today. Like there's nothing, no, what's the Bible say? No weapon can be formed against me and prosper. It's me and Jesus. It's us and Jesus. Like let's get out there and make a difference for Jesus because it literally does not matter what happens. Because you know, you know how the story goes? It says you might be found fighting against God and then verse 39 says they were persuaded by him. So, so they weren't, they weren't going to kill him. They weren't going to throw him in jail but this is just comical, right? Because you're like, yeah, thank God, like Jesus wins. Go team. Like, let's get the face paint, right? Like Jesus painted on my face, right? Like, yay. But look at this. So that incredible statement by Gamaliel in, in verse 39, like you might be found fighting against God and they're persuaded by him. So you know what they do? They release him. Not. You know what they do? Look at verse 40. After that, after they're persuaded by those incredible words, what do they do? They call in the apostles and they flog them. <laughs> Just Google flogging later. Maybe don't. I don't know. I didn't try that. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't tell you to Google random things. They just beat them to a pulp and sent them out. And you know what? Verse 41 they went out from the presence, beat to a pulp, beat bloody. What does it say? They went out from their presence, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated, treated shamefully on behalf of the name. What an awesome testimony. You can actually do this no matter what people do to you. You can do it. Just see the significance of every day. It's not just what we do in here that matters. It's what we get to do out there making a difference in people's lives. How do you do it? The second thing, just share unconditional love. Just share the unconditional love of Jesus. That's what, it, that's what the Bible says in John 15. Jesus said in John 13, a new command I give you. Why do you have to tell people it's a new command? Because we didn't get it yet. Love one another as I have loved you. That's it. That's the name of the game. If you love people, they will listen. And they will look for hope. And the third thing is just to simply be about the Great Commission, right? Just be about what Jesus is about. 
He says, go and make disciples. He told his disciples, just look up. The fields are ripe for harvest. Just missing some workers. Right? What, what kind of life do you have to have to get flogged and be like, that was awesome. <laughs> we'll have public flogging up here next Sunday. <laughs> then you'll go out rejoicing. <laughs> no, no, no. There's something totally different where it's not about me getting mine. It's about me giving up mine and Jesus filling that void and life never being the same. Amen.